Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Hey, I want to start out this morning. I want you to think of the most generous person that you know of. Just think of who that person would be. Who's the most generous person that you know? And think about some of the characteristics that, that you would identify that help make them that generous person. Think about that. What are some of the characteristics? Maybe even think to maybe a couple examples of some times when you've observed their generosity. Maybe their generosity to someone else or, or maybe their, their generosity to you and, and how, how that made you feel in the midst of that. And the last thing I want you to do in the midst of that is, is on, a, on a continuum of happiness scale, from, from sad to happy people, how would you describe them? How would you, where would you put them on that continuum? When I think of the most generous person that I know of, I think of my dad. Um, my dad is like the most generous person that I know. He, he's, obviously, there's some of that I've been recipient of as, as his son and, and growing up and been blessed in so many different ways. But I can remember so many different times, even as he, as I was growing up, different ways of him being generous to other people. I remember there's people that um, that, that that he worked for that, that worked for him that he just helped out that were in need of, of something, or maybe just a listening ear and just sitting down, or or some of his time to go do something and help him out in different ways. And he'd always be willing to help them and, and do those different things. I know that there's been times when there's people that he knows of that that needed uh, financial assistance. There was someone I know that needed money for rent. And I remember seeing him put some money into an envelope and and going over and taking it over to their place and and giving it to them and just seeing some of those things. I remember a time that Terry and I were going to this church and um, there was, this was when digital cameras just had come kind of into vogue and there wasn't, wasn't a lot of them out there, but the church was talking about, man, we should, we should get a digital camera. And, and he went out and just bought one and just gave it to them. And he said, hey, or he gave it to us to give to them. He's like, here, give this to them. But all these different things that I see of is my dad is just being a very generous person. And here's the deal. It's not like we had a ton of money growing up. We weren't poor, but my dad, not only he worked for the uh, Department of Transportation in the state of Iowa, but he had some other jobs as well. Um, one thing that he, he did was he was a TV repairman. Uh, I don't know if it even exists anymore, but, but there was a TV firm who made house calls. And anybody remember Zenith TVs? Okay, a few people, all right, you're old enough, you're, you, you put on a certain level, other ones like, who's, what's that? What's a Zenith? Um, but I remember having Zenith TVs, and he had a Zenith TV dealership, and, and so he would repair TVs, and that would bring in some extra monies. But we also were custodians at our church, so we would clean the inside, we would mop the floors and vacuum and dust and, and set up for different things, but we also took care of the outside and, and all the grass and, and mowed. I can actually remember having a, a, being on a Jacobson lawnmower, and it was one of those that had a, a, a sensor under the seat that if you, if you got up to it, it would, it would die. So I would reach for the pedals and it would die. And so, I would, it, so they had to put blocks on the pedals so I could sit back far enough to have enough weight on it to be able to mow and be able to do those things. But, but those jobs that we had and, and everything were all helped us to, to make a little extra money. But so my dad worked hard for the money that he had, but he was generous with what he had. And I'm so blessed in so many different ways by how he modeled that for me. So when I think of a person, I think of him. But here's the deal. I believe that a majority of people are generous people. I really believe that generosity is what, how God has made us. And I think most people are generous people. I just think that we have the lack of an ability to be generous. 
And we've talked about that here, you know, over the last couple of weeks of a couple of things that will help, could help us get in that place of, of being generous. You know, things like putting together a budget and, and, and giving every dollar a job. Um, last week, Pastor Brandon talked about finding contentment with the things that we have. And, and all those things help us get there. But I think it's even more, there's fears that war against this God-given desire to be generous. I think one of those fears is the fear of not having enough. The fear of not having enough. This fear says that if you give, there may not be enough left for you. And I want to recognize this is a real fear. I understand this fear. I remember this as being part of a fear that I had as we started our giving journey. I was married, and we had kids, and and what do you know? The expenses went up, not down. I know it's shocking, right? I mean, it's like all those things. Like Even though I made more and more money, it didn't seem like we ever could keep up with it. And I say seemed like that because... I think the reality is this was before I'd even created a budget. And so there was this, this place of where my money was going, and I, there was probably areas that I was wasting money that I didn't need to be. And so I think all of those things, but, they were, but all of these really became real fears. I mean, there, we had th- thoughts would go through my mind like, well, what if we don't have enough money for groceries? Or what, what are we going to do? What if, what if we can't pay the bills? What if the, the electric bill we're not able to pay and they shut off our electricity? Or what if we don't have money for rent or our mortgage? What if, like, oh, what if we don't have enough? And the travesty of all is like, what if we don't have enough money to buy coffee? I mean, you gotta have coffee in the morning. I mean, how do you exist without that? I mean, how can I take that next step? But all of those things are just real fears. But there's a reality in our lives. And many people have other fears as well with the midst of those. of just saying, am I going to have enough to do what I need to do to take care of the necessities of life? So the fear of having enough, not, not having enough, is a real fear. There's also the fear of, of missing out. I mean, we all have that. Pastor Brandon touched on this a little bit last week as well. And he said, this fear is that says if you give, you're not going to have enough money to buy the stuff that you need to make you happy, to need to make you happy. We've talked about this in our series. Um, our culture today tells us that in order to live the good life, right, we need to spend a, mod- a certain amount of money to, to buy the good things in life, the, the experiences, the stuff, and all of, that, the, all of those things around there because good stuff, right, is just truly priceless. But I'll admit it, it's fun to buy nice things. It's, it's fun to have those things. And hear me in this, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. And there's nothing wrong with going on vacations and enjoying those things. But the problem is that if we really can't afford it, or we think that our happiness, even more so, is based on it, we're going to be sorely disappointed. I think we intrinsically all know that, right? Because I think some, we've all bought something before, and then we, somewhere along the line, we decide it's not enough, or we want something else, or it really wasn't worth it. Anybody have that post-purchase cognitive dissonance ever? It's like, oh, why did I do that? There comes a point when an increasing amount of stuff produces a diminishing return of happiness and satisfaction. There was a study done in 2019 on generosity and life satisfaction, and it found that high-generosity people were 23% more satisfied with their lives overall. And you may hear that and you think, well, is that really that much? I mean, 23%? But I think about it, I think, man, if, if, if you were given a 23% raise, would you be happy about it? My guess is that you're like, sign me up. I'll take it, right? I would love that. So think about it this way. According to this study, high-generosity people get a 23% raise in life satisfaction. That's, I think, a good way of looking at it. And they looked at some other things. They also found out that more generous people have a more optimistic look on life. They said also being generous correlated to positive measure of mental and physical health. I thought that one was amazing. Just thinking about even mentally and physically, our health benefits 
by being generous. Here's a summary that they put together regarding their findings. It says this, high generosity respondents were happier, enjoyed closer relationships with their loved ones, had more close friends, felt more satisfied with their personal possessions, to name a few things. They also experienced higher level of career satisfaction and lower rates of hopelessness, worry, and disinterest. And then here's the last statement of this. That's the life-changing power of generosity. That's the life-changing power of generosity. That, to me, that sounds a lot like the good life. And see, this really isn't a new concept. The Bible has a lot to say about generosity and giving. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul was teaching the Christians in Ephesus, and he said this. He said, I'd never wanted anyone's money or clothes. You know I have worked with my own hands to make a living for myself and my friends. By everything I did, I showed you how to work to help everyone who is weak. Remember the Lord Jesus said, more blessings come from giving than receiving. I think a lot of times we've heard that different ways. Haven't we heard that it's more blessed to give than receive? And, and I think I remember that even growing up and as a kid going, no way that's true. I mean, there's no way that that's true. I mean, I like having presents. I like getting gifts. I mean, that, that's all a good thing. So I couldn't think of any of that possibility. I think the reality is some of that even carried forward into my adulthood as well. But I think more I've become, uh, the older I've become, the more I've kind of understood and really had experience with money that I really see the blessing of generosity because I truly believe this is how God created us. This is what we are supposed to do. He created us to be generous people. He knew that more blessings would come from giving than receiving. From the beginning of the Old Testament, the central act of worship wasn't singing songs of praise. It wasn't listening to sermons. It was to build an altar to God and, and offer their, their offerings and place that offering on an altar and to God to express their gratitude and, and how they honored God with that. And that offering would then be consumed by fire and that aroma was said to be pleasing to God. And I'm sure it wasn't the smell of it because I'm, I know that couldn't smell the greatest, but it was a reality is that, that aroma, what he meant from that is that, man, it's their hearts of the people bringing that offering forward there and giving that offering, God just was like looking and said, That is beautiful. That's what generosity is. Later on, people were instructed to bring their offerings to the priests and, and offer them to God for the work of the temple or the priesthood. These gifts were often called the first fruits or, or the tithe. And the best, the, the, the whole idea was to give the best in the first 10%. And during the time of Moses, this was codified into law that we see in Leviticus 27.30 that says one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether from the grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart for him as holy. All right. My guess is that at some point that like, like along this whole time, you guys have been with me for a little while, and you're like, oh, boy, here he's talking about tithing and giving again. What is, what's going on here? What, what is this all about? And sometimes I think we hear those things and we just kind of shut down because I really know, I know all of this is hard because I've been there. I have been there. I actually fought long and hard with God along my Christian walk on, on this topic. And actually, I don't think it was much, as much me fighting with God as it was me fighting with myself, fighting the fears of, of not having enough, fighting the fears of missing out, but then coming to the realization that all that I have is God's, that he is the provider, he is the owner, all of it is his, and I can trust him in it. In the beginning of our generosity journey, we were hesitant. We would continue to ask God and ask ourselves, man, are we, are we really supposed to do this? We'd think, gosh, you know what? Everything we're reading and everything we're, we're feeling says, yes, we are. This is what we're supposed to do. Does it seem risky? Yeah, it does. But we keep trying Anyway, we're going to keep going and taking steps. 
We leaned on different verses in the Bible. One's like Malachi 3.10. that says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do, said the Lords of the Heavens Army, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Maybe you've heard it before that this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Test me in this and see what I will do. Give me, try me. So we did. And something happened. In the midst of our giving, we found ourselves being more and more generous. We found things happening in our lives that we really couldn't explain. It didn't mean that everything was great. It didn't mean that everything was perfect, but we saw God taking care of things. We saw him do good things like opening up doors for us in certain ways and and providing jobs that we needed and and opportunities to to be able to support ourselves. But we also saw, saw some tough things. And we were in ministry, and we had, had raised support for three years to, to start our, this new church. And we came to the end of it, and we ended up having to dig in all of our savings and go all because we were about six months behind in paying and getting paid for, for all that we were doing. And it was just like one of those hard things in the midst of it, though, and seeing what God was doing and still trusting him. I remember in the midst of that, I remember a situation when it was Christmas time, and, and Terry and I were going, well, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Because we don't have enough money to buy Christmas presents. And, I, and it seems like, oh gosh, you, you should be able to figure out some way of doing something. We had nothing to do. But God just worked. And there was a, a small group in Phoenix, Arizona that ended up sponsoring us that Christmas. And they end up sending some gifts to, to not only my kids, but to Terry and I. We had someone else that came to our door and, and, and left a text for us and said, hey, I, I left something on your doorstep. We walked outside and there was some cash in there for us to buy Christmas presents. And I'm not saying that those things all happened because we were giving, but man, God still took care of us. He found us. And he, even through tough times, our trust in God led to more generous behavior and more generous behavior. Another way to look at choosing to give in tough circumstances is choosing to love or choosing to be thankful during tough times. Have you ever been in that situation Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with a, a family member or someone else where it's just you're having a hard time loving someone. You're just having a hard time. But then you make a, a choice. You're like, no, I'm, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. I'm going to choose to love them. And then you start to see how that dwells in your heart and how it develops more and more love. When you're in a spot where you are not very thankful for things, where you're just, it's, it's really rough, but you choosing to be thankful and how that heart of gratitude grows in the midst of it, the same thing applies to giving. As we are generous, generosity continues to grow. But maybe the biggest benefit of generosity is the realization that you have enough already. Today, much of society is held hostage by the relentless pursuit of more. No matter how much we have, we always seem to, to need more because we can't really come to that end of we're like, ah, oh, we're, we're satisfied. More stuff and more money. And it doesn't seem to be working. So how do we get on the other side of it? What can we do to be generous and reinforce the reality that we have enough already? Well, first thing I want to suggest is maybe to give away some stuff. Anybody ever have that opportunity where they just give away some stuff? And I think the reality, we look at, at all of the stuff, and if we really want to demonstrate this idea that we have enough already, giving our stuff away is a good way to start. Go through your closet. How many times have you, have you gone to your closet and gone, man, I've not worn that for, forever. Um, I haven't, what is this? I got all this um, 
uh, dust catching all these boxes in here, or even down in a storage area or in the garage. Um, and maybe just feel like, gosh, let's go through some stuff. Let's get rid of some stuff. Donate to a charity or, or someone that you know that could use something. Especially things that you don't use or, or you don't need that often. If it's junk, don't give it away. I mean, if it's junk, make sure you get rid of it, you know, recycle it or, or throw it away. But, but if it's nice enough, give it away to somebody. And you think, wow, oh, gosh, but what if I need it? What if I need it? Well, those pots and pans that you've had downstairs, that third set that you haven't used in 30 years, it's probably okay to give those away. I mean, we all have some of that stuff. I know Terry and I, um, I don't, has anybody moved recently? Um, maybe like for the last couple of years, um, uh, two years ago, Terry and I moved. And I think one of the most freeing things was to go through and get rid of stuff. And we threw away a bunch of stuff. We gave away a bunch of stuff. And we donated a bunch of stuff. And all of that, the, it's just the feeling of being able to free yourself from having enough is that we, we take all of that stuff because we have that fear of not having enough and we store it away. But then we don't use it. And then usually when it's time where we need to use it, we can't find it. So we have to go buy something else, right, to replace it. So it's good to sometimes just get it, give away that stuff to get rid of it. That's one of the huge benefits of that. Give some stuff away. Well, maybe another action you can take is to give of your finances. Um, I'm going to press in just a little bit here, um, because I know this is hard. Um, like I said, this is a journey that, that I took, um, my wife and I took together. And it's also hard when it comes to, to teaching it in, in church. Because oftentimes when people come in here, money is not something that they want to talk about. And, and being able to give is not something that they want to talk about either. And, and, and here's the thing, please hear my heart in this. Um, because I truly believe that generosity is the key to financial freedom. Um, I've, I believe it because I've experienced it. I believe it because I've seen it. I truly believe that that's the heart of what God wants to teach. And I truly believe that, that what, that's what God teaches in the Bible. And to, to avoid it, to not teach it, would be just irresponsible. But there's a reality that all of us, I think, have that, that aversion to, to talking about generosity because we're like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I'm, I have those fears of getting in the way. And God does something when we can turn the tables on that and we can start to be generous. And here's the reality. A lot of churches, we, we, like I said, we have a hard time talking about it because we're like, I, I don't want people to feel like you got to give here to Northern Hills. Giving to Northern Hills isn't part of generosity, right? It's not, it's not the key to generosity. Giving, let me see, say that. Giving to Northern Hills is part of generosity, but you don't have to give here. You can give any place. If there's another church you want to give to, another organization you want to support, do those things. Give to God's work. Give to further the kingdom of, of what's going on because that's how the model works and that's what God wants to see in your life. So it's not about you giving to Northern Hills. Your giving is between you and God. Give, give to a place that you're comfortable giving to. Find somewhere to be generous. And here's the thing. If you want to take a step of really being intentional about it, I want to encourage you to, to be about regular giving. Give on a regular basis. Give on a regular basis. And one of the best ways to do that is to schedule your giving. I know Terry and I, have, about probably five or ten years back, in, in the midst of that, we started having an opportunity to schedule our giving. And so we, we would give on the 5th and the 20th of every single month. And we, we set aside our tithe, and we're like, okay, that's what we're going to do. We give automatically. So no matter if we're here or if we're not, it happens. No matter if, we, if we're choosing to say, oh, gosh, the things are, seem a little bit tight this month. No, we're still going to give. We're going to give on a regular basis. Um, a friend of mine recently just um, kind of went through this process themselves. They were in, in this um, journey, and we've been talking about over the last probably three or four years, 
this journey of generosity. And um, they're just, they were struggling with it. Like, I don't know kind of if I, you know, should do that, if I really, if it's the right thing for us. And I'm, I'm like, I really encourage you to, to take a, a step and try that and, and just see what, what God does. Well, it's crazy because about a month ago, so ago, um, his wife and him decided to do it. They started to, to give regularly. So they went in, they scheduled their giving. And I talked to him last week and I loved the response from him because he goes, John, he goes, it's, it's awesome. He goes, there's some things that are blessings I didn't even realize. He goes, my wife and I, we don't fight about money like we did before. He goes, there, he goes, there's something about it. He goes, and I don't have the anxiety that I had before about money. He goes, I used to check the bank account every single day to kind of see what was going on. He goes, I don't have that anymore. He goes, and now even when I check it, he goes, I'm kind of like, I hope things are good. And he, he kind of looks at it and he goes like, wow. He goes, actually, we're doing really good, even despite the fact that we've added this cost into things. So really, just take that step. Just find a way to, to, to put something in place. And, and I know we've talked about um, different plans, like a 10, 10, 80. How much you give is really up to you. It's, up, it's between you and God. 10, 10, 80 is, is a great plan. It's a 10% giving, 10% savings, and 80% um, to, to live on. But many people look at that and go, there's no way I can do that. So they stop and they're like, well, I can't do that, so I'm out. I'm, I'm not gonna do it, right? But man, just start someplace. Choose a percentage and then each year evaluate that. See what God wants you to do on that. I love what 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly and don't give in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. See, God isn't about you just giving because it's the right thing to do. God wants you to give because you recognize that he's the provider and you give cheerfully and thankfully in response to saying, Father, thank you for the many blessings that I have. So find a percentage, do something, schedule it, give it, go down that road. Also have an opportunity to give opportunistically. Um, I love this as well. This is a, this opportunities to give above and beyond whatever your regular giving is. There's opportunities to support missions work. There's opportunities to support different things. My wife and I, we put something in our budget called the Blessing Fund, and we fund it every single month, and, and it gives us the opportunities to respond when God puts things in front of us. And we pray, God, show us those, those opportunities to, to support some work of yours that's, that's happening in the world. And one of those things was even just when we had Red Envelope kick up here. We were able to look at our, our budget and say, oh, yep, here's, we've got this money set aside. Let's give that to Red Envelope to help support that. For those of you that have been around for the last few weeks, you've heard a little bit about Red Envelope and what's going on here. But to, to tell you a little bit more about it, let this guy tell you about it. Once again, it's Red Envelope time. And if you're new here, you might be wondering, what's Red Envelope? Red Envelope is a special giving opportunity to help fund three specific projects that we have identified here as a leadership team. The first project that we are going to be supporting is Eagle Lake Camp. And as we know, 2020 was a tough year for many especially the kids who went from active and on the go to online all the time. This summer, we have the opportunity to support kids to get them back to a sense of normalcy. How, you ask? By sending them to a week-long day camp here at Northern Hills, where they can be outside with exciting activities like a rock wall, gaga ball, water games, and more. But the best part is while they're having fun being kids, they'll be learning about the love of Christ and how to share Christ's love with others. Red Envelope is a great way to support a kid and allow them to get a week of high-energy fun that is centered around Christ. Another part of this year's Red Envelope is going to help to purchase a trailer for Let Your Light Shine. 
Let Your Light Shine is one of our mission partners that works with local individuals and families experiencing crisis or extreme hardship. They provide emergency food and supply boxes while focusing on the issues that are causing each of their clients to struggle. Here's something that they've given us in their words. They've said this, we found that dealing with immediate situations allows our clients to be able to come up for air and breathe. It's hard to discuss, much less think about anything beyond immediate needs when someone is simply trying to find their next meal or figure out where they'll stay for the night. It is through relationship that we earn the trust to be able to dig deeper and to find the root causes of the situations our clients are facing. Let Your Light Shine is currently in a partnership with Food Bank of the Rockies, and the purchase of a trailer would allow them to increase their reach significantly to help more and more families in crisis. When you give towards Red Envelope, part of that giving will go directly in purchasing this trailer. Finally, the last project has to do with some landscaping repair and maintenance that is needed around the grounds here at Northern Hills. We know that the church is more than a building, but we also know that it's important to take care of the location that God has blessed us with to gather together as a body. We've identified a few projects outside of normal maintenance that have been needed for a while, but in hope to take some steps towards completion soon. These projects include a refresh to the roundabout, new sod by the west entrance, and playground improvements in the kids' areas. These three projects make up Red Envelope for 2021. So where do the red envelopes come from? Well, here's the fun part. We have red envelopes numbered from one to 200 out in the cafe. And the idea is to choose each envelope and give at least the amount that is on the envelope and all of those funds will go directly to support these projects. If all the individual amounts on the envelopes are given, these projects will be fully funded. For those of you that are in person, you can find the envelopes out in the cafe. And for those of you online, we haven't forgotten about you. We would love to have you participate as well. You can go to nhills.org slash red and see what envelopes are left as well. Together, church, we can make this possible. So I'd encourage you, and man, if that's something you can do, uh, to be part of some of those things. And just watch what God does in the midst of things. See, we don't give in order to be blessed. But God's economy is an amazing thing. And he does things that just are really things that we can't explain until we take the steps and to trust God with our finances. There's life-changing power in generosity. So we started this series uh, enough already about four weeks ago. We talked about really this whole idea of, of this is about pursuing the, the good life in America, right? But a lot of it has been tainted by this whole pursuit of more, more stuff, bigger and better, but it hasn't produced the results that we've really wanted. The average home 50 years ago was one-third the size of the homes that we have today. Yet Americans today are less happy than they were 50 years ago. So clearly more wealth and possessions and stuff hasn't led to more satisfaction in our lives. In fact, the UN, um, United Nations issues a study each year in, in, in 2012, since 2012, and they've it's called the World Happiness Report, and they survey thousands of people in, in 50 different countries. And in 2019, going back to even before the pandemic, um, despite being the wealthiest nation in the world, um, United States was ranked 19th in terms of happiness. So money and success, it doesn't equal the good life. I mean, we, we pursue those things. We go after those things. And we think it's more and more will help get us there but because it's really been described as being the American way. 
But I'm asking us, man, are we up for trying something different? If that's not been working for you, are you willing to try something different? So throughout this series, we've been teaching about these different ways to go about it. And I just want to touch, as we close today, on four keys to the good life. All right? Four keys to the good life. First one is to cultivate gratitude. Be thankful for the things that we have. And I think we, we probably are, but how can we be so intentional about being thankful for those things? By starting each day asking God or saying, telling God, saying, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. When we start to shape our days and our mindset that way, it can transform what we see as the good life. The second thing is to pursue a purpose that's bigger than yourself. This will allow you to align different things about with your money and other purposes of your life with the resources that you have. Seek God desperately to discover his purpose for your life. When we put those all together, we can understand there's a purpose that's bigger than just us accumulating. Third thing is to live within your means. And this is all about being a good manager of your finances, giving every dollar a job. This will allow you to have opportunity to save and to, to give and to be generous in the midst of it and also reduce your stress level when it comes to finances. And then finally, what we talked about today, unlock the life-changing power of generosity. Be in that mindset of giving away your stuff and giving away your finances. And see, this isn't new for, for God. And we're doing all of this as we see what God has done in our lives and we respond to what that is. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. I mean, many people have probably seen it that aren't, aren't even believers. They've seen it at sporting events or, or whatever else. And that verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have life everlasting. See, God designed us to be generous, and God demonstrated generosity by having that ultimate sacrifice of, of Jesus on the cross for you and for me. And that's why we get to enjoy the things that we get to, to enjoy and are blessed by the things that we get to be blessed by because of what he's done for us. And as we recognize that he is our provider, this all changes everything back around. My encouragement to you is that if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is to start there. That's the number one thing, is to recognize that Jesus gave his life for you. And all you need to do is say, Jesus, I understand. I, I recognize that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and that you rose again. You now are sitting at the right hand of the Father. You've reestablished a re that my ability to have a personal relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life. And when we do that, when we put our faith and trust in him, we become followers of Jesus. And it doesn't make life necessarily easy, but it makes life purposeful. And we start living out the purpose that God has for us. So as we live our lives, let's live purpose-filled lives. Let's give our money purpose. Let's give our lives purpose. Let's be generous people Let's impact the kingdom's work, all right? Let's do that together. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you uh, so much for your generosity. And Father, I just pray that um, as we talk about generosity, as we talk about giving, uh, God, that you just press in and create um, an understanding in our lives. Help us to, to seek you desperately in the midst of this. And Father, I just want to say that if, there's, if anyone is turned away from that, that they would just let whatever I've just said just fall to the wayside. 
that they would focus most of all on you because I don't want that message to detract from who you are, Father. But God, as we lean into our lives and our spiritual walk of following you, help us to trust you more and more with our lives and live our lives out on purpose, for a purpose. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all the things you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.